to the Rehab Inc. podcast. This is the third installment of the Spotlight series where we interview allied health professionals at different stages of their careers. My name is Jennifer Ryan and I'm a physiotherapist at Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital and a PhD candidate at the Rehabilitation Sciences Institute at the University of Toronto. In today's episode, we are spotlighting physiotherapists or PTs. Most people have encountered a PT at some point in their life. However, they may not be aware of all of the areas where PTs practice. Today, we will meet a PT who is relatively new to clinical practice and works in an acute care hospital. We will discuss her path to a career in physiotherapy, what it is like to transition from school to clinical practice, and the challenges of working in acute care during the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, I'm joined by physiotherapist Emily Brewer. Emily has a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology from the University of British Columbia and a Master of Science in Physical Therapy from Queen's University. Emily graduated from Queen's in 2019. She currently works full-time at Sunnybrook Health Sciences as a float physiotherapist in general internal medicine and casually at Providence Healthcare in geriatric rehabilitation. She is also a member of the Canadian Physiotherapy Association. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. In five words or less, can you describe what physiotherapy is to our audience? Physiotherapy is about movement and optimizing someone's function. Can you expand a little bit on the the words movement and function? I think at its core, um, physiotherapy is about getting someone back to doing the things that they love. Um, I think it's about improving someone's sort of function and overall mobility. People move in all sorts of different ways. So it could be working with someone who uses a wheelchair to mobilize. It could be working with um, someone who's using a walker or a cane. It could be working with um, an athlete. Can you describe some of the range of clinical areas where PTs practice? When a lot of people think of physiotherapy, they think of the sort of the the therapist that works with athletes or that works with a, you know, um, works in a private practice clinic. It's a really wide and diverse profession. There are physiotherapists that work in private practice or community clinics, and they might um, practice more sort of orthopedic or musculoskeletal physiotherapy. So, you know, your sprains, your strains, your post-op hip replacements or knee replacements. We're also working uh, with neurological populations. So maybe working with someone after they've had a spinal cord injury or a brain injury or a stroke, and that might be in an acute care hospital or a rehabilitation hospital or, you know, a private practice clinic as well. There's also cardiorespiratory physiotherapy. So that's working with someone who might have pneumonia or COPD or, um, you know, certain lung conditions like cystic fibrosis. Sometimes we think of these areas as being separate, but they also all, you know, interact together, right? You're always treating the whole person. And I think as you go through school, you learn about these sort of like three separate areas and and it's all new when you're learning it. So you think of them as very separate. Um, And then I think you get into clinical practice and you realize how 
interconnected they all are, right? Because you might be treating someone for a shoulder injury, but if they also have trouble breathing, that's something you can address. So when I'm at Sunnybrook, a lot of what I do is is getting patients up and moving again, right? They might be in the hospital for a few days. They might have become deconditioned because they've been sick. So we're sort of getting them moving again, which I, I guess could be considered that sort of uh, musculoskeletal sort of area, but we also help with their breathing. We might be um, adjusting um, their oxygen if they're on supplemental oxygen or helping them get off supplemental oxygen. So there's that cardio-resp aspect. We might be treating their chest. And then certainly, you know, in the hospital, um, we see patients who may have had a stroke or have had a spinal cord injury. So then you have that sort of neurological aspect. Can you tell me how you decided to become a physiotherapist? I was about 13 or 14 when I when I decided and I was inspired by my mom who is a pediatric physiotherapist sort of grew up with with a firsthand sort of understanding about what physiotherapy was and I was I was lucky in that she had worked in cardiorespiratory physiotherapy at a hospital and then sort of transitioned into pediatric neuro, so working with kids with brain injuries. Um, so again, I, I had sort of an inside look into, you know, physiotherapy just isn't necessarily about, you know, working in a clinic and working with an athlete or someone who's sprained their ankle. There's so much more to it. So, um, you know, I certainly grew up listening to her talk about her day and the things that she was doing. And it always seemed really interesting to me. Um, and then, you know, when you're in grade nine, you, you go to work with your parent one day. And so I went to work with my mom and I thought it was, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. You, you know, you get to be active, you get to be moving around, you get to work with people. So can you tell me now a little bit about um, a common misconception that you may have encountered that people have about physiotherapy? One that I that I hear often is is um, like every physiotherapist can can treat everything, even though there's so many different specialized areas. So I, I think we we graduate as generalists. So you have a good sense of the the various areas. So that musculoskeletal, that neurological, and the cardiorespiratory. Um, but I think once you once you dive into your sort of practice area and you've been in that practice area for a few years, it's you know if you're not using some of the information you've learned on a daily basis, it's easy to sort of not remember it as well, right? So I think when I tell people I'm a physiotherapist, they might say, oh, oh, my back is hurting. Like, can you, can you fix it? Or I sprained my ankle. Um, and it's, again, I, like, I don't, I don't practice in sort of that musculoskeletal private practice clinic setting. So when you first started working, what aspects of clinical practice did you feel like you were prepared for? I think I knew generally what I was getting into in terms of the types of patients I would be working with, um, especially going into a hospital. I knew I'd be working with patients who were maybe deconditioned or, um, you know, below what we might call their baseline. So, you know, maybe before they came into the hospital, they were walking around on their own, no difficulties with their balance and their strength. Um, and then, you know, in the hospital now, they haven't been out of bed in five days. So I knew sort of that would be, you know, going in that your job is going to be getting them moving again, preparing them to go home or if they can't go home, if, if they're still needing help to walk, you know that, well, we have to explore other options. So I generally knew, you know, what I was going to be getting into, right? And were there any specific challenges that you were expecting to encounter as you moved into clinical practice? 
I was expecting that there would be challenges sometimes with, with, with patients where, you know, you have this great plan in your mind and, you know, it doesn't always work out or you got to change it or something happens. Um, so I, I think I expected that to be a challenge and I think it's been challenging in maybe other ways that I didn't necessarily expect. Um, but I, I think I knew going in it, it would be a challenge. Not everything was going to be a straightforward, like day one, you assess them day two, they're up and walking day three, they're out the door, right? Rehab is, is not sort of a linear process necessarily. And I think I, I knew that going in, but until you're really involved in it and going through it, you don't necessarily understand what that means and, and, and how you have to work with someone or change your approach. What types of unexpected challenges did you encounter then? I think the biggest one was was really the, the pandemic. I started my my career as a um, you know in geriatric rehab. It was a very short four month contract, and that was sort of in the the pre COVID times. So um, everything as it was before, and then I, I started my job now, which is in acute care general medicine. Two weeks into that, lockdown started, changed everything. So it, you know, it felt like sort of the rules and infection control was sort of changing daily. And then a, a month into working in acute care, I happened to be working with a patient who was who was later diagnosed with COVID nineteen. So then I had to go in quarantine. I was only a month into my job, and suddenly I was in quarantine for two weeks. So that. That was a lot of stress because I was worried about, you know, I was just starting to sort of feel comfortable and suddenly you're taken away for two weeks, which is almost half as long as I had been working there in the first place. And you also have your colleagues that, you know, they now have to kind of pick up, pick up the pieces or the patients that you were working with. So I would say that was certainly an, an unexpected challenge. Um, and, and I think the other piece, and again, it goes along with sort of that pandemic early on was um, the speed at which they were trying to get patients out of the hospital. Because again, no one wants to be exposed, um, especially as not as much was sort of known about COVID early on. So early on in that pandemic, there was a really big push to get people out. And as someone who was really new to the discharge process and really learning what, what people need to get home, I found that very difficult because, you know, you want to protect their health, but you also want to make sure they're safe. And, you know, I'm brand new at, at, you know, discharging people. So that was definitely a bit of an unexpected challenge, just sort of the, the pace that we were trying to work at. When you were uh, first starting to work, was there any particular advice that you received that was helpful for you or resonated with you? Um, specific to sort of working in acute care, I was taught um, just about the importance of, of, I mean, working with all team members, but particularly the nursing staff. And that's really stuck with me and certainly in my day-to-day practice you know, working alongside the nursing staff is, is really important because, you know, if I want to see a patient at 10 and, you know, maybe they need to be, um, they need their pain medication or they need to be taken to the bathroom first, you know, you want to collaborate with the nurse. So maybe you can help them do something that they need to do with the patient, or, you know, maybe they can give you some really important information about how they saw the patient moving earlier that might help your assessment. So I've learned just how important it is to sort of work alongside the nursing staff. Um, so that's definitely stuck with me. And, and certainly, I love all the nurses that I work with. They're all very helpful. I think the other piece is, is really um, the importance of observation. 
when I really first started and I'd be thinking, Oh, like I didn't, I didn't do manual muscle testing or I, I didn't, I didn't assess their, their active range of motion fully. Like I didn't do a full assessment. And then I sort of learned now that just because you didn't sort of formally assess it, that, that didn't mean that you didn't actually see it. So it's sort of the importance of looking at how someone is moving because that's really going to, that's also going to tell you what their strength is like, what their range of motion is like. So, um, you know, watching how someone gets out of bed, you know, are they able to use their arms to sort of push their trunk up, push their upper body up? Do they swing their legs over the edge of the bed easily? That's also telling me about their strength and their range of motion and also their balance as they're sitting up at the edge of the bed. Yet I'm not necessarily formally testing it. So particularly in acute care where time management is so important, it's sort of I've really learned to sort of pick up on the things that I see if I don't necessarily have time to assess it formally. Do you feel like your observational skills that you've been able to hone them now that you've been working for about two years? Is, are you able to sort of reflect back and see how your abilities have changed? They've definitely improved. <laughs> I think the more you work, the more that you see, because then you can sort of have those comparisons in your mind. Um, I think certainly with MSK pieces, I observe much more than I, I probably than I probably did before. Or I, I'm kind of putting the pieces together. Who are the other members of the healthcare team that you would interact with uh, in your daily work? I think one of the great things about working in an acute care setting is it's such a team-based environment. So, I mean, that's one of the things that drew me into the hospital. I love working as part of a team. I would say in terms of who I work with the most closely, it would be our occupational therapists. I work with an amazing group of OTs who I've learned so, so much from. And, you know, we'll do initial assessments together. Sometimes we will do reassessments or treatment sessions together if there's still the two-person assist. Or we'll do discharge assessments together if we're kind of coming up with a plan together because they have a, a slightly different lens. But there's also some overlap within the professions. So I think it's really nice to kind of put our heads together especially if I'm unsure about something. So I can say, this is what I'm thinking. You know, I think, I think they might need rehab or I think they're okay to go home and they might have their own sort of opinion and then we can talk about it together. So certainly we work really closely together and I, I, I really value that sort of collaboration and that relationship. If there is such a thing, what does a typical day at work look like for you? Every, every day is very different. I am the, the float physiotherapist in general medicine. So that means um, I, I float around to the different units or I, I, or I might be covering a physiotherapist if they're off. So I get very used to sort of picking up a new caseload every day. When I come in in the morning, I am figuring out who the new referrals are. So who needs physiotherapy? And then I'm also reading up on the patients that I'm following, seeing if there's any updates in their charts from the medical team or various specialties. And then I sort of, after I've kind of caught up, figure out who, who is on my patient list, I have to come up with the priorities. Um, I wish I could see everyone every day and there are not enough hours in the day to do that. So it's sort of figuring out who needs to be seen. And that's typically the, the, the patients who are going to be going home soon or uh, the patients who are, are new and they need an assessment. And then I'll, I'll frequently coordinate with the OT. They might be seeing some of the same patients. So we might decide to go together. 
and then start my day. So I'll start seeing patients. Maybe I'll chart a little bit. And then, you know, within our day, we might have rounds or I might be attending a family team meeting. When you leave work at the end of the day, mm-hmm. what sort of has to happen for you to feel like, oh, today was a good day? It's all about the little things that, that really make your day go well or make me really happy as I leave. So it could be helping someone transfer. You know, this is the first time they've gotten out of bed and we got them sitting up in a chair. That's really rewarding. Or um, we've, we've been able to transfer them to a commode chair. So now they can be getting up and going with nursing staff. Getting to know someone, I, I think in acute care, they're often there for such a short period of time. Really getting to know them is is really rewarding, especially if you kind of find those tips and tricks that that help you engage with them and help them engage in therapy. Um, more recently, um, I was lucky enough to work with a very sweet older lady who um, who had pretty advanced dementia. So sometimes sort of following commands to sort of participate in therapy and try try to stand up or try to sit in a chair was, was really difficult for her. And she was worried about falling. But she loved to sing like old show tunes, old songs. Once we figured this out, the OT and I, we would go in, we would get her singing. Um, we once brought in our, our phone so we could, we could play music for her. And she would just sing through the whole therapy session. And we could get her into a chair. We could get her sitting up for lunch. Um, you know, when you have things like that, that is just so rewarding to be a part of. And certainly, you know, you go home happy that day. I know that during your master's of physical therapy, you were involved with research. And then I also know that you were involved in research at the Bloorview Research Institute before you went into physiotherapy school. Can you tell me a little bit about the research that you have been involved with? I took a year off between my my undergraduate and, and starting school. So I worked at uh, the Blurview Research Institute, um, working with a clinician scientist, Dr. Virginia Wright, um, who's also a physiotherapist by training. So I was lucky enough to work as a research assistant in some of the studies that she was doing. Um, One of them was looking at the locomat, which is sort of a body weight supported treadmill. And they were doing some studies to see how it might impact someone's walking. So they were looking at children with cerebral palsy. So I was lucky enough to sort of see the locomat in action, see the kids using the locomat, as well as sort of the the pre and post assessments that the physiotherapist would run. And um, Virginia also um, creates outcome measures. And she had created a few outcome measures that I was kind of involved with some of the data collection for. And uh, one of them was called the challenge. There's a few variations of it, but it's sort of a, it's a really neat um, outcome measure looking at sort of higher level gross motor activities for children with cerebral palsy and sort of an assessment to see how they do. So I was really lucky to sort of be involved, get to kind of see physiotherapy research in action. And my, my, my first physiotherapy student placement was um, at a chronic pain clinic. Um, and that sort of certainly sort of sparked my interest in um, treating chronic pain and, you know, how physiotherapy can help with with the treatment and management of chronic pain. Um, so I was lucky enough that my, my research project in physiotherapy school was, was in that area. And it was looking at sort of a, a chronic pain self-management program that was, that was run by physiotherapists. So we were lucky enough to interview some of the physiotherapists who sort of implemented this program and delivered it to sort of gain their perspectives on, on what they thought about it. 
how did your involvement in that research then contribute to your desire to become a physiotherapist? I think I, I mean, I still knew that I wanted to be a physiotherapist when I was sort of involved in that research, but it certainly made me realize just how much I wanted to be a physiotherapist. So, um, you know, when I was doing that research, I was frequently, um, observing or sometimes videotaping the sessions that the the physiotherapist would do with the research participants. Again, this is pediatric research. So it's a lot of like fun and games and, um, just seeing, you know, the, the kids improve and, and get to try new things and seeing how much fun the, the physiotherapists were having really just made me want to be a physiotherapist that much more. So was there anything uh, that you learned in that role that you feel better prepared you to become a physiotherapist? I, I, I think the importance of communication just in the role that I had as the research assistant I really, I was communicating with the patients, so the, the research participants and, and their family members. I learned a lot about the importance of communication. Um, and I think also the importance of just sort of evidence-based practice, particularly seeing, um, you know, Virginia create these new outcome measures to help sort of physiotherapists have a tool, like an outcome measure to use to, to measure change. And I think I really learned that, you know, it is important to have have outcome measures, have sort of quantitative things that you can use to, to sort of help you understand a little bit more as a physiotherapist. In your daily practice now, do you find that you're looking to the research to answer some of the clinical questions you have? I think the first sort of year of of practice is, is such a whirlwind that you're kind of figuring out what are the what are the basics I even need to be doing before I sort of dive into anything else. So I think it's something I'd like to be doing more of. But certainly there are times when maybe I, I think I've learned about something in school, but I'm not sure. So then I might sort of dive back in and, and see like, what is the evidence for this? Because I mean, again, you, you want to be implementing an intervention that, that works. So it's certainly something that I think about. And especially with, um, again, having a role in some chronic pain research, I know that there's a, there's a lot of really important research out there around chronic pain and how to manage and how to treat it from a physiotherapy point of view. So um, certainly if I'm working with someone who's here with chronic pain, certainly that's when I, I find that I'm most often kind of diving into the, into the literature to see what should I be doing to kind of implement best practice or, or whatever I can do to kind of make it as best as it can be for them. I think what has been interesting within the COVID pandemic is the breadth of information that has been made available to clinicians working in that environment. There's been a ton of talks and articles about particularly physiotherapy management for um, patients with, with COVID. Do you think that there's a way that researchers could potentially better consider the needs of someone in your position? So a frontline clinician who is just starting off in their their clinical journey and does not have a lot of time or is trying to absorb a lot of new information? Yeah, I mean, I think reach, reaching out, I think speaking to the clinicians on the front line or involving them in the research process in some way um, because I think when you're involved with it that really kind of solidifies the information in your mind and the more you sort of 
are involved, you, you kind of gain that appreciation of, of what you should be doing or what maybe you need to be moving away from, depending on, on the evidence. That knowledge translation piece as well, getting the research out there, but then finding a way to have it translate into, into the actual front lines or whatever sort of setting you've done the research in. I think that's the tricky piece. Involving the clinicians in sort of that research process would probably help in that sort of knowledge translation. So finally, do you have any advice that you would give to other students who are graduating from a professional program in healthcare or for students who might be interested in pursuing a career in physiotherapy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think for for those who are graduating and are kind of about to get get into practice and dive right in, I would say I think it's really important to sort of stay positive and, and remember that you know more than you think, and I think you're capable of more than you think. So you get a really good foundation in school, and, and I think it's really important to kind of trust that that you know you wouldn't have you wouldn't have gotten you wouldn't have gone through school if you didn't know what you needed to know. Um, I think it's a profession where there's lifelong learning. I know I am always learning every day, so you're going to continue to learn. But I think it's important to really be confident in what you do know. Um, as well as keeping an open mind to all the learning that is going to come <laughs> to people who are interested in pursuing physiotherapy, I would encourage them to try and get involved in as many different aspects of physiotherapy as they can. Emily, thank you so much for joining me today to explain physiotherapy and the experiences that you've had so far in the profession. I think it'll be really helpful for our listeners to sort of hear similarities of what other new graduates might be experiencing. For students, I think it's wonderful to be able to look slightly into the future to see what what it holds. So um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was a this was a pleasure. And this concludes the third episode of our Spotlight series. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, like, and follow us on social media. You can find the Rehab Inc. podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, or on the rehabincmeg.com slash podcast website. That's R-E-H-A-B-I-N-K-M-A-G dot com slash podcast. Be sure to tune in next time. <laughs>